The following program, Our Unique Tales, is a five-part series which is being funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland under the Sound and Vision Fund. This program deals with adult themes and may contain audio that some listeners may find upsetting and or unsuitable for children. Discretion is advised. Declan Flynn, an Irishman, attacked and killed in Fairview Park in Dublin in 1982. On the day of his murder, a gang known as the Rollers hid in the park. Their plan was to hide behind trees to rid the park of what they called steamers. On this September evening, their plan ended in a brutal murder. Declan Flynn was savagely attacked, beaten with sticks, had multiple kicks to the head, back and stomach. This man was killed and tortured for one reason. Because he was gay. Declan's five killers were found guilty in a court of law in 1983, but were all given suspended sentences by the judge. This decision of a suspended sentence caused outrage amongst many Irish people from the gay community and beyond. It caused a protest march. It took Declan's murder and the legal system's belittling of it to finally make Irish people take a stand. Enough was enough. His murder was seen as the catalyst for the LGBTQIA pride movement in Ireland. This year, when you march in a pride parade, or you watch from the sidelines, remember Declan Flynn's name. This series is dedicated to Declan. Hello, I'm Ed Roach, a 33-year-old man from a small town called Mallow. It's in County Cork in Ireland. At the age of 31, After years of keeping my sexuality a secret, battling with shame, self-hatred, embarrassment, rage and mainly fear, I pulled the courage out of somewhere and came out to my family as a gay man. 31 years of living a lie finally came to an end for me in January of 2019. Honestly, It's been the most courageous thing that I've ever done. And I've no doubt that some of my family and possibly even some of my friends are only figuring this out about me right now. Well, there you have it. I'm gay. And I'm proud. This series isn't really about me. It's a series which features some inspiring LGBTQIA plus figures in Ireland. Each of these wonderful people will be telling their story of what life was like growing up in Ireland as an LGBTQIA plus person and 
what life is like now for them. In case you don't know what those letters stand for, here's a quick lesson. That's lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, or questioning, intersex, asexual, and the plus. Well, that represents however you identify. This is not my story. It's our story. This is our unique tales. Meet Philip Kyo. Many people will know Philip as drag queen Victoria Secret. In recent years, the art of drag has gained massively in popularity all across the world. However, Philip entered this world when it was less accepting and a lot more taboo than it is now. A proud gay man who is a born entertainer. I had the pleasure of chatting to Philip. I began by asking him, when did he start to feel a little bit different? Oh God, I mean, straight away, like, I think I knew, but I just didn't know what it was. So like, I remember being in, I think it was like senior infants and that's like so early. Or maybe it was like first class, but I was like sitting beside the boy in class and I just had this fascination about that boy. So I didn't really know what that was, but like I knew that he was like really special to me. And now that I'm like old enough, I'm like, okay, well that actually, you know, wasn't necessarily, you know, just because he was my mate. I actually don't even know for a mate because I don't remember the details that well. I, I just knew that I like had like this fascination about him. I thought he was amazing. I thought he was everything. Um, and then like, Yeah, primary school, I just, I could start to tell that I was just a bit different than the other kids. And that difference terrified me. Feeling a little different to his peers as a child. What was secondary school like? Were things any different for Philip as a teenager? I'm 36, so at that time in a... I mean, it identified as a Christian Brothers school. There was no Christian Brothers in it. Um, There was... It was an all-white class, for a start, all Catholic students, and I, I definitely felt that that's what the school wanted to teach. And then we had two um, Muslim boys join the class, um, and one was actually a very good friend of mine, and, you know, had grown up in Ireland and was, like, I suppose... I, I'm guessing that he had learnt to make himself fit in and again for not sticking out reasons um, and there was another boy who was just super quiet and, and didn't uh, uh, grow up here and had moved after living somewhere else for a lot of years and technically they were exempt from doing religion but um, you know we, we ended up with a religion teacher who was gay and I mean, it's kind of blurry in a way, but I feel like he, if if he didn't self-identify, it was it was blatantly obvious. He, you know, I'm nearly sure he spoke about his partner, and um, 
And, and he, he wasn't just so keen to discuss, you know, one type of religion. He was keen to, like, you know, just be more inclusive. And I think that was really important. And you know what? I think that boy who maybe was really quiet and didn't really mix in with people might have had a lot of a easier time if if things had been more openly discussed and, you know... Uh, like, I mean, especially then, Irish people are just so afraid of anything that wasn't what they already knew. And, um, yeah, so, I, I mean, that religion teacher did not last forever. I presume his contract was was not a permanent one. And he was gone. And I just remember that... I, I, I didn't really equate it at the time to sexuality, but, I mean, you know, it was when I was 12, 13, so we're talking 24 three years ago so I mean it was a very different climate back then so I, I I mean internally I feel yeah he was you know kind of removed from the situation for maybe you know sexuality reasons or or his um, approach to teaching times were certainly a lot different then in the 1990s there were very few gay role models for any Irish person to look up to but what gay people surrounded Philip when he was growing up? If any. Well, firstly, my uncle is gay, but he he moved to London to live. And I presume, like lots of people his age, they moved to London for a better quality of gay life. Um, a more open gay scene. It's not something we've really ever spoke about, but I remember him always showing up to like family events with his <clears throat> his boyfriend. And I was never really told that it was his boyfriend, but I mean, I just knew. I mean, it was it was very obvious. Um, it wasn't actually no, it wasn't very obvious because the man was a good bit older than my uncle, so I actually wasn't sure at first whether they were just like best mates. But um, it wasn't really communicated too early, and then so there was there was him, and eventually that conversation was had, and it wasn't it wasn't a, a major conversation. Uh, but there was also on a street, maybe three or four streets over, there was um, a gay couple living in a house. And they didn't really mix in with the community. And I mean, now I gather, I'm like, I don't even want to know my neighbours. Like, I think I know two of my neighbours and I'm living in the same um, apartment, like, for 12 years now. Um, I just like to do me and just, like, operate and, like, not have everyone, um, you know, in each other's business. But anyway, I... Um, Everyone knew that they were living, there were two men living together in that house. And the kids used to comment on it because they would be like kicking a ball pretty close to their house. And I, I don't remember anything really bad being said about them, but I, I also remember like a lot of a feeling of judgment. And necessarily that's where the gays live, if that makes sense. And now I look back at it and I'm like... God, like, that was, you know, even when I was a bit younger, maybe nine or ten, that must have been kind of... I hope it wasn't a challenge for them, do you know that kind of way? Because they were just two people that were in love and had a really gorgeous house and, you know, I, I, yeah, I hope it wasn't... I, I wonder what the community who were uh, of adults were like towards them. I hope that they were, you know, warm and friendly as opposed to, like, judgy and distant. Do you think that judgment actually still happens even in 2021? You know, there's the gay house. Do you think that's a thing? I mean, I live in the city centre of Dublin, so... I mean, I would hope not. But 
within every pocket of the community, there's always going to be those people. Um, I'd imagine, you know, to step outside of the of the city centre, even in Dublin, there's lots of communities that maybe, yeah, that, that could be, there's the gay house. Um, I went for a walk uh, one of the days last week through the middle of the city centre um, and uh, w- with my boyfriend and we were like walking through certain parts of the city that, you know, maybe some people would find intimidating. I'm just like not that person. And he's a handholder. And that's something that I, weirdly, it's something we've never discussed, but it, like, that's something I've had to, to, um, get, no, I don't want to say get used to, but like, I, I am just still have that in the back of my head sometimes that that will bring bad attention. Whereas I want to hold his hand and I want to, you know, um, enjoy that moment for what it is, which is just like a nice, very normal moment that lots of couples share all the time. But there's, you know, there is times where you'll walk past certain groups and you can feel slightly nervous. Um, and that's not something I feel comfortable with. It's not like, you know, I've, I've worked so hard to build myself up. But, you know, if I'm feeling like that in the city centre, maybe there's definitely, you know, the gay house is happening somewhere just outside the city centre. And I think a lot of people, you know, no matter how you identify, especially within our community, I think feel like that. I feel like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not to say I'm un- uncomfortable with my sexuality, but I just think there is a little bit of that fear within us, isn't there? Because I think we've probably been yeah. programmed that way for so long. Yeah, it's in our heads that the visual of that... I mean, I, I went to Barcelona when I was 19 for the summer, and my se- my friend and, uh, and myself were walking through the city and couple of gay couples were holding hands. We've never seen that before, like ever. We were the only people staring and we were about gay people and... I've, I, that still kind of haunts me because I was like, I remember hitting my friend um, Dave and I was like, Dave, oh my God, look, like, we've never seen that. And I'm carrying all those things throughout my, you know, growing up experience right up to today, as much as we all worked on ourselves and tried to make ourselves grow. So it feels sometimes like holding your partner's hand is is almost... I've heard someone else say this before, like a statement as opposed to a natural feeling, you know, that kind of way. And I I yearn for the day that that is not the vibe. I don't know if it's going to be while I'm um, cute and still have a hairline, though. (laughs) Coming out can be a scary time for anyone. No matter at what stage in your life you do it. There is no one way of coming out. Remember... Only ever do it when you feel like you are ready. Philip came out as a teenager. But what was his coming out experience like? I locked myself in the bathroom because that's what any decent, dramatic um, gay child does. And we didn't really get to the bottom of it at that point. And I think I might have been, you know, 16, maybe 15 at the time. 16, I'm going to say. Um... And that was kind of parked until I was 18. And and to be honest, by the time I was 18, there was less to talk about. It was just, you know, every year I think things uh, like change as well. So, you know, every year I think it's become easier for people to come out depending on where you're from. So like it was less of a conversation in the end. That day was really dramatic. I definitely cried a lot. I'm sure she knew. 
But I think she also knew not to push it too much because, you know, everyone's so fragile at that age and I just wasn't ready. Even though I wrote those things down, like, I'm pretty much sure that I, like, I had decided that I was not going to be coming out properly until the Leaving Cert was over. The Leaving Cert was over, my Leaving Cert holiday was done, um, and then before I got to college I had decided that I was going to, like, reinvent myself, essentially. And there was two boys in my second, in my, um, degree class that were from my school and they found themselves really going from people who were outgoing to very shy because they were in this whole new setup and they didn't know anyone. And I was in there pretending to be the most outgoing and friendly person and chatty and loud and all of those things and dressed in brightly colours. Um, and they didn't recognise me. In fact, we never really spoke for those four years. And they were in my year in secondary school. And that's kind of strange. But also, it must have been quite strange for them to see me. I was not being true to myself. But I eventually was faking it so much that I became more confident. And anyway. So, um, and then with my sister, and I don't think I've really spoke about that, is um, we were in a fight. And I just thought what necessarily was the worst thing I could say to her and, and it just so happened that that in my head was coming out and like that's so I was going to curse there but like that's really not good that I felt that that was such a bad thing um I mean it ended with well I'm gay anyway do you know what I mean and it was like in a she was really hurt after that I had used that situation to come out to her um and I also really think that my sexuality kept me from being truly close w- with my sister for a long time because I, I like everyone beyond my mum wasn't really getting in because I just couldn't let them see in too much because if I let them see in too much then they'd um they'd see what I was maybe trying to not divulge to them and that's kind of that's very sad um you mentioned there earlier and i think it's something that a lot of us actually struggle with initially is saying the words gay or i'm gay why did you struggle with it at the time do you think because it was a bad word essentially like i mean i'm still hearing people in my you know in my age group refer to things that are not good as oh that's gay do you know what i mean like no I, I'm going to just put it out there. I don't find any of these words offensive in any way. And even when these people say it, I don't find it offensive. But there's someone else out there who is hurt by that and who is pushing themselves in a little bit more inside themselves because of something that you've said and the power of those words to them. Um, so I'm like, I mean, I can't count myself as those. You can say anything to me and it really will not penetrate or hurt my feelings in any way. But yeah, I, I just, I really struggled to say those words because I knew it, it, in my head, it wasn't a good thing, you know? And, and that's sad because I wouldn't change my sexuality for the world. Like, I like more power to you all out there creating, you know, people and, you know, living that good, um, heterosexual life i'm so happy in my um little world that i have created for myself and i'm yeah i wouldn't change it it's great to hear how happy philip is as a proud gay man comfortable within his own skin and living life unapologetically just how he should be Philip Kyo is known to many now as drag queen Victoria's Secret. 
But how and when did he start to experiment with the art of drag? I think um, I went to an art college and I think I thought my coming out was just going to be a lot more groundbreaking and exciting than it was. But really like art college, I mean, people talk about fluidity now. Art college was fluid then. And yeah, nobody really cared, which is such a great thing. And I didn't, I don't think I got how great that was at the time. So everyone, like, I mean, I'm talking about you go into the courtyard and someone will be doing, like, juggling. Like, it was that kind of place. Uh, we were in the business building, which I think the art students definitely looked down at us a bit. But, um, but yeah, so I think I just became a lot more free-thinking, less caught up in what people were thinking about me. And I joined the LGBT Society and we were like organizing different events on in our students' union. And we booked like Panty, Veda, Dolly, Davina, April, um, all came out to perform uh, for different things. And I was just like, okay, I love drag. I'm going to see drag all the time. I'm going to do drag once in college as part of the next time we organize a show. And I did, and it was awful, and it was terrible, and my friends were polite, and, you know, that was real cute of them. But um, I fell into it from there. I I enjoyed doing it, even though it was very nerve-wracking. But I never set out to be a drag queen. It was a hobby, which, by the way, I think is the best way that you can come into drag at, rather than trying to take over the world, to, um, you know, come in and just enjoy yourself and not put so much pressure on it. Um, and from there, I just ended up falling into a few gigs naturally. And here I am. I- I'm still saying 16 years, but I think it's 17 years later. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Weird. Was revealing that you did drag, in a way, was it almost like coming out again? God, yeah. I spoke about this a good bit. Like, you know, I didn't tell my family I had a bag of drag in my in my bedroom. And of course, okay, I'm really making my mum stand out to be a snoop now. Like, but, you know, she found the bag of drag and, you know, went to, was curious whether I, you know, needed to have a conversation with her about uh, gender. And I didn't. And I actually was really surprised that she went from that to gender. And... Yeah, that was kind of it. We Like, I just did my bits and, you know, in classic Irish mother style, she was washing my tights. So, um, yeah, I don't think she came to anything for a while, but that was more because, you know, I, I've spent, and, and I I truly think this is, is related to, you know, being closeted for so long. I spent so much of my life putting things in boxes and keeping everything separate that that really is carrying over that I'm still trying to undo that in so many ways. So similar with drag, I, I, I definitely did and encourage her to come to stuff. The art of drag is loved all across the world now and it's gained massively in popularity. But how do people react in Ireland when Philip tells them that he's a drag queen? Are they accepting? And what about the dating scene? How do guys take it when Philip tells them that he is a drag queen. Doing drag essentially feels like, yeah, there is this like coming out moment all the time. You know, I sit into a taxi and taxi man asks me what I do. And I'm like, I mean, I'm so tempted to say I work, you know, in the revenue at this point because I just don't need a stranger to, you know, I don't need to have that conversation with somebody I don't know or like, it's really normal to me. It's really like, it can be quite dull some days. And some days you really don't want to go into work. It's just like every other job. 
but I, I can see to the outset of, you know, this random stranger, that's really exciting conversation for them. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I've lied many times. <laughs> I've said I'm a DJ, um, but then that led to too many questions. There's a theme here. I don't really like delving too much inside myself for strangers. And, yeah, so, and then when it came to dating, similarly, you know, um, having that moment where you discuss what you do. When I, at, the, at first, I never used to say what I did. I just used to... Um, but I always had a, a, another job as well. I used to discuss that instead. But then I realized I was coming out constantly to these people. And my thinking before was like, oh, don't tell them now because you might not even like them. And then you might get rejected by someone who you don't even want another second date with. Like the cheek of you absolutely rejecting me. I don't want to see you again. Um, and... Yeah, then I just realised, oh god, anyone that's not, you know, hasn't has any sort of weird feelings about it, I shouldn't be dating them anyway. However, a lot of that changed because of RuPaul's Drag Race. Like people really got to see the people behind the drag queens, and it kind of gave people a look behind the curtain to see that you know drag queens are just like you and I, and it, it kind of took that maybe whatever scary thing it is and also I think people were really worried about what their friends would think and now the drag race girls are just so highly celebrated that you know you'd be on the outs if you didn't celebrate drag too do you think that there's a a lot of people of a certain age group that still don't understand that drag is an art form and that it's a performance Mm. you know do you think that there's that old Irish attitude of well that guy wants to be a woman I think that happens not in just older communities. I think that happens in all ages. Like, you know, like the arts community, I'm sure, doesn't look at us in the same uh, vein as, you know, actors and presenters. Well, you know, lots of us could MC rings around the people that are being paid a lot of money to MC, you know? Um, and, and I'm going to say that lockdown has really taught me a lot about that that um that drag are resilient artists i have worked if not more last year during a pandemic than i have worked in the previous years because we're self-motivated self-driven one um person bands and i don't know but i think there's lots of uh times that people from all different areas ages would just look at drag and you know be like what is that do you know what i mean and that's why I kind of love drag too. If, if people are questioning what is it, that's a good thing. It shouldn't be so obvious what everything is from the outset. Um, we should always be challenged by art. And I think that drag queens do a great job of that. Philip is right, you know. They are one-person shows. Drag queens perform. They act. They sing. They dance. They lip-sync. They create amazing outfits. Their hair and their makeup skills are flawless. Most of all, they entertain. Before Philip gets ready for his next show as Victoria's Secret, he finally offers some advice for anyone who is struggling with their sexuality right now. There are people in your life right now that may not be even in your life in 10 years' time that you're so concerned about what they think. And anyone who is really amazing is going to be there for you regardless. If you're really worried, um, I think we have a, a fantastic 
um, support system in place already within the community in terms of outhouse belong to um, who will help you by talking to people who really ha- can give professional advice. So often we'll get messages from younger people saying, can you advise me? And that's something I don't necessarily always feel very uncomfortable or very comfortable about. So I would urge them to go and talk to people who they who really know the correct answers. Um, but yeah, to eventually realise you just don't care what some people will think. And that only comes with age, unfortunately. So, you know, it, it's going to take you a while to figure that out. But just remember that, like... It's not always as bad as you think it's going to be. Although it might seem pretty bad now, things will get easier for you. I promise. Being a lesbian, a gay, bisexual, transgender, queer or questioning, or however you identify, that's only one part of you. You're human. And above all else, you are loved. And you will be loved, no matter who you are attracted to. I'm gay, but I'm also someone's son. I'm someone's brother, someone's uncle, someone's friend, someone's boyfriend. I am someone who is proud to be gay but not defined by my sexuality. Just like someone who is straight. They are not defined by theirs. Be proud of who you are. These are our unique tales. If you've been affected by any of the issues raised in this episode, please visit the SPIN website for further information and resources or contact the National LGBT Helpline at lgbt.ie or call 1890 Our Unique Tales is a five-part series which is being funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland under the Sound and Vision Fund. This is SPIN. SPIN.